wildly successful people in this studio? Did they have God in their life? Were they able to teach about that with their kids? Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington and welcome to Bullish. Boom, people, welcome back to the show. Today, we're gonna talk about raising rich kids. And this is something I think about a lot. And I'm going to preface this a ton, this episode, um, that I, uh, you know, I have, I have not raised teenagers yet. I have not raised a college age kids yet. However, I was raised by parents that were decently rich. Um, if you guys know my story and I feel like me and my brother turned out decently. Okay. Now I'm not saying that perfectly, but I think I actually think my parents did a phenomenal job raising rich kids. I bring a lot of people on my show that run big family offices or run are very wealthy. And I love asking them about their kids and their grandkids. And sometimes they'll share things, sometimes they won't, but you can see by the fruits, you shall know them. You can kind of see what things they did that worked and things that didn't work. And it's something that I've studied a lot because I plan to be stupidly rich in my life. And so I need to learn how to raise rich kids that are not rotten, gross, nasty, terrible kids. So this, I treat this podcast, by the way, as almost like my personal journal a little bit. So I want to maybe look back at this episode in 20 years and see if I was right or wrong. But uh, I want to share a few things. Uh, this was kind of brought to my forefront of my mind. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at the Greenwich Economic Forum. Very, like I mentioned before, I met Ray Dalio there. I met a couple other billionaires. Uh, very, very wealthy group of individuals. About 200 people, invite only to be there. Very cool. And we're sitting at this table and this guy gets a phone call, or excuse me, gets a text. And he kind of, we're talking, we're kind of laughing and just hanging out. And he goes, oh man, my son just texted me. He uh, he goes, oh man, this kid, you know, he, he needs, he's asking for $13,000 to go to Vegas this weekend with his friends. And he's in college right now. And and I was like, oh man, like that's a crazy request. Like there's no way you're going to give him that. And he goes, yeah, you know, he kept, he's talking about it. And I, I was thinking that I didn't say that out loud. And he goes, yeah, you know, that sounds like fun though. Yeah. I'm, pr I'm probably going to send him the money. Should I send it right now? Or what do you, what would you guys, and he kind of like brought it up to us. And then he's like, yeah, I'm probably gonna send him the money. And the guy next to him, and I was like, I was blown, blown away. You're going to send your kid 13 grand to go to Vegas. Cause he needs that as spending money. And I was like, huh? And the guy next to him chimes up. I was like, oh, this guy will put him straight. And he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, like, you know, I pay for my kids stuff all the time and it's not a big deal. And like, I think it's fine for him. And, and I, I, my mouth like was open and I literally, I said out loud, every, he, I don't think he heard me, but I, I said, cut the umbilical cord, like cut it. And he kind of looked at me and smiled. I don't know if he heard me or not, but he kind of smiled. And I was like, kind of serious though, like cut the umbilical cord. And this guy, they kind of kept talking and I, and I started to ask him a little bit about his family and stuff. And, and then I talked to another person there that had, they had their family their her son had came and, and, um, she was trying to get her son a job offer and stuff. And you could just tell her son, these kids are in their twenties, 21, 22, 23. This kid had been, you know, it looks like he's on drugs or drinking a lot. He's messed up hair on playing video games inside, just totally disconnected from the group. Um, was, you know, had this cool opportunity to be at the Greenwich Economic Forum because his parents invited him, but just couldn't, it just seemed like to me, at least my, my, we talked to him for a little bit, was very superficial meeting, but just for my 30 to 90 seconds with him, he was a very spoiled, rotten kid. And I was like, wow, I didn't know this still happened. Like this seemed like it was from a movie. These kids were just so entitled, so rotten and like it was just straight out of a movie and it was happening right in front of my eyes. And so it made me think and ponder about all this. I've asked these questions on the show a lot about raising rich kids and how do you do that? 
And so I want to share a few things that at least I've learned from other people that have done this very successfully. Again, preface, I have not raised teenagers yet or college kids, but um, I've been raised by parents, I think that did a pretty good job of this. My dad last year at our Cancun event gave a whole talk and seminar on how to raise kids. And he goes, I, again, he prefaced it, well, I'm not perfect at this, but how this is how I raised my kids. And my dad, if you guys don't know, you know, co-founder of a multi-billion dollar you know, fund, he's, he's worth um, a lot of money today. And I think he's done a very good job of raising kids. The first thing he said was, um, when kids are kids below, let's say 10 years old, they, you need to be a parent to them. He then goes on, he goes, when they became teenagers, I, tr- I totally changed how I parented. If you try to parent your teenagers like you parent your little kids, it's not going to work. And so he said, at least, he goes, I tried to become a friend and a parent. I tried to mix the two where I was like their teammate with them, but also kind of a parent to help them when they needed it. But I was a teammate. And I'll, I'll just tell you a firsthand experience. My dad did this with me. Uh, in a second, but then he goes, once they be, they get out of high school, I just try to be their friend. You know, once they're out of the house, you really can't parent your kids anymore. The, the, the deed is done. And really he goes, I just want to be friends with my adult kids and I'll be a mentor or coach at help, but I'm not going to be a parent to them. A lot of people get into trouble when they try to parent their 26 year old kid. And, um, what happens is they don't want to be parented. They fight back and forth and they, they rebel or they don't like it or whatever happens because I try to be friends. And my dad's done, I think, a phenomenal job with all of his kids and in-laws about being a friend to them. I would say my dad is a good friend of mine now. We, he's an amazing mentor. I can call him anytime. He's, he acts like a friend. He's not a parent. He's not going to coddle me. He's not going to give me money, but he's going to be a friend or a, I sometimes treat him as a coach or like a mentor to help me. And he does that with my brother and my, like, it just is, is awesome. And, um, I'll epitomize this actually in one story. My dad, um, when I was 12 years old, sat me down and he said, Bridger, you're going to middle school now. And I, was, I think I was going to seventh grade. And he said, uh, there's a lot that goes on. And so we had the birds and bees talk a little bit about what's going to happen in middle school. It's just, it's like, this is a growing up period for you. You're going to go through period, uh, puberty this is what, you know, how girls periods, he, he walked through the whole thing right with me, but then he said something interesting. He goes, Bridger, he goes, I can't control you anymore you're, you're out, you're, you're pretty much grown up right now. When you go to school, you can do stuff behind my back. Like you, and you know that, and I know that. Okay. Hopefully we've taught you good principles and stuff, but ultimately you get to choose the life you want. He says, Bridger, if you go to middle school and you start smoking and drinking and getting into drugs and stuff and you, he goes, and you come tell me about it. He goes, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to come down on your parent. Cause like, it's your choice. I can't control you. You can do what you want. However, just understand you're the one who has to deal with the consequences of those choices. When you're 17 or 18 or 25, you know, come tell me about it all. I'm still your dad. You can always come to my house. I'll always have a place in my basement for you to sleep. Like you're always welcome at my house. I love you forever. And I'll take you to rehab. We'll get you the treatment, but just understand you're the one who has to go to rehab. Like it's, you have to deal with those challenges. As much as I would love to take them away from you, I cannot. It is your consequence. That is your choice. On the, on the contrary, we go, well, he says, additionally, if you go to high school and you have a girlfriend, you get her pregnant, she, you have a baby coming, you come tell me about it. He goes, I won't be mad at you. And I was like, no, dude, you're going to be mad at me. He goes, no, I won't be mad at you. I promise. However, just understand you're the one who has to father that baby. You're the one that has to deal with this financial burden and the stress of this, you know, your girlfriend, I don't know if you'll stay with her or not, or how you're going to care for the baby and what's going to happen. Like you're the one who has to deal with that. As much as I love you and want to help you, like that is, that's the life you've chosen. He goes, I have my life. I have a house, a car. Like this is my money, my, my life. And that would be your life. And he says, on the contrary, if you go to school and you get good grades, 
you do well and you go and you get into a good university. I'm not getting you into you get into a good university and you do well. You become a famous, you know, business owner, a doctor, a lawyer, you make tons of money and you build a big house in the hill with cars and a beautiful family. Guess what? That's the life you get to live. He goes, I have my life. I'm already, I'm already good. That's the life you get to live. You get to choose. And he said, don't do anything because your dad wants you to do it or doesn't want you to do it. Do it because you want to do it. He goes, if you want to go be a, you know, a unicorn or a princess or go in the ballerina, great. Do whatever you want. It's your life. Just understand though, you have to live with the consequences of your choices and it's your life you get to live. He goes, I love you forever. I'm always your dad, but that's just how life is. That's how life works. So understand the choices of your consequences. And I remember I left that meeting with my dad. It was a, it was a Sunday night. We had this kind of one-on-one talk and I left and it totally changed my life. Drastically changed my life. That year, um, I remember I got uh, I had a, I got a 4.0, so it's straight A's, and I brought home a report card to my dad. I was like, Dad, look at like I got amazing grades. Like, look at this, this is awesome. And my dad was like, Cool, good job. Like, and I was like, Oh, you're not excited? He's like, Oh, those are your grades, man. Like, that's so good for you. Congrats. Those aren't my grades. Those are your grades. And I was like, Oh yeah, those are my grades, and that's gonna like lead to a really great future for me, hopefully. I was like, Huh. Hey, hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Now, as you know, we don't run advertisements on this channel. We just spread this by word of mouth. So if you can, please rate and review the show. If it's benefited your life anyway, please drop that down below. I actually love reading them. I love seeing what people say and share and stuff. So if you guys can, if this show has helped you in any way, shape or form, please rate and review and share this with a friend or two that may benefit their life. We do this just to help more people understand this game that we're playing. Thank you guys so much and we'll get back to the show. And my parents, um, I was literally in seventh grade. I love to snow ski. So in the winter it would snow in Utah and we never had snow days like ever. Like if it snows, it could snow five feet and we're going to school in Utah. I don't know about other States that have snow days. I, I think I had one snow day, my entire K through 12. And it was a half day by noon. They said, Nope, everyone's back in school. Okay. So we didn't have it. We had a lot of snow though. Cause they were just good. They're good at getting rid of snow in Utah. And so, uh, I used to ask my parents, I was like, Hey, um, can I go skiing? Like, can I skip school today? It's like a Thursday and go skiing. And most parents would say like, no, but my parents were like, well, they'd always say, well, yeah. Like, how are your grades? You're gonna be good if you miss school today? And I was like, yeah, I've, I, I had straight A's at the time. I was like, yeah, I got, I got straight A's. Cool, go ahead, go skiing. I skipped school, I don't know, 15, 18 times a winter to go skiing. And my parents were like, yeah, we'll drive you up there, whatever. Just, uh, you know, understand these are the choices of your life. Now, I, I totally granted if I was, you know, failing classes and my parents would probably parent me very differently. I was, you know, they parented me for each. And my dad actually said that in his talk class. He goes, you got to parent each kid differently. Every kid is going to be totally different how you parent them. But for me, that really worked. Um, I'll actually tell you another crazy story. My parents, um, so I was the youngest kid. This is usually for youngest kids. We had a money bag at the house. Okay. So, and now I, I grew up in a very average, normal house. Like you guys have heard my story before. Um, but my parents, for whatever reason, we had this, it was a pink bag of money that was in our pantry. And I always had like $100 or $200 of cash in there just for spending cash, go to the movies, whatever. And um, I don't know if my parents planned this or not, but it was kind of like a, a, a litmus test almost. So my parents would say something along the lines of, I, I didn't have an allowance. I didn't have any money like that, but it was like, you, they would make me go work. And I had a, a landscaping business, but it was funny. They would say like, hey, if you need money, you can, if you need it for you know the weekend or whatever, like you can take from the bag, but just, but just understand you're taking from the family. Like this is the family's money. And at the time, my dad drove a 
crappy car. We kind of lived in a normal house. And I was always, I always kind of the back of my brain, like knew my parents, they talked about money. My dad had ups and downs and throughout, he started 13 businesses. So I, there was always ups and downs between those businesses. So I never quite knew where they were at. Uh, at this time they were making, I think a lot of money, but I just didn't know it. But I, I remember that bag sat there. I never touched the bag. Almost never. I, or I would ask permission. Cause it was like a big deal. Like if this, you're taking from the family's money. And if you're going to do that, it's got to be for really good reason. And, and so I'd like ask mom, Hey, like, can I have some money? Like I plan to go like to the movies. It's like $12. Can I take from the bag? You know, and maybe I'll, I'll add. And it was kind of like the, the concept was you can take from the bag, but you got to add back to the bag later on was kind of the concept. And I thought it was a pretty interesting thing. And it taught a ton of responsibility uh, for kids, like managing money and not thinking of it like, Oh, parents, I'm just going to try to take from my parents more of like, we're all in this together. Like we're a family unit. We're a team. And so if one of the teammates is going to take some money and spend it this weekend, well, that hurts the other teammates. And so you got to contribute back in and help out with this whole family unit. Does that kind of make sense? Way different perspective than the kid that messaged his dad for $13,000 to go to Vegas. That kid is like, dad has infinite money. I'm just going to try to get as much money as I can to try to put towards Vegas, right? So that was a pretty interesting way to parent uh, your kids. Um, sorry, I digress. I got a bunch of points here, but... Um, this is, you know, pretty interesting things. I think my, I think my parents did very, very well for me growing up. Um, another concept my parents taught me like crazy was um, on that same thread is like once they, I kind of figured out they had a lot of money was like, hey, we're rich. You're not rich. <laughs> like the old Shaq quote, he's like, I'm rich. You know, we ain't rich. I'm rich, right? That's what Shaq says to his kids. And my parents did a very similar thing. Like, yeah, we're rich. You're not rich. You're paying for college. My whole life, you're paying for college. You're paying for your car. You're paying for gas. You got to figure it out. You got to figure out school. You got to figure out business. You got to figure out life. And uh, I think it's a very healthy thing for kids. Now, my parents, they weren't, so you might say like there's kind of a pendulum of how strict to be. And again, this is just doctrine according to Bridger. So this is, could be, every parent's going to parent different. Um, like for example, my brother, my brother wanted to buy a car. The car was, I don't know, it was like $4,000. He, and my dad was like, okay, well earn some money. You got to save up. And so my brother was and looking online and the, the whole process, by the way, of shopping for a car is so healthy. Like instead of my dad going out and picking out a car and trying to help my brother out, he's like, no, you shop for the car, go online, find the best deal, figure out the guest gas mileage, like do the research. My brother spent like three and a half weeks researching, going to dealerships, thinking through, he found a car. It was like $35,000, let's call it right around there. And he had saved up some money in my, and at the last second, my dad said, Hey, I'm going to come in. I'll, I'll, uh, partner with you on the car. So I'll put down like 2,500 bucks. If you put down, or it was like 2000 bucks. If you put down 2000 bucks, they split the car. And my brother was so grateful. Like, Oh my gosh, dad, thank you so much. Like the most gratitude is like, yeah, I'll split the car with you. And so my brother now had ownership in the car. My dad also helped him a little bit with, with buying his first car. It's like a $4,000 piece of crap, red car. It was a Mazda, whatever. I can't remember the year, but um, piece of crap car. But my brother loved that car. And he was so grateful to my dad because at the last, instead of, now think about the contrary. If my dad at the beginning had said, hey, John, you got a $2,000 budget. I'm going to help you out with $2,000. Do whatever you want. Well, then John might come back and say, well, man, my dad's being cheap. Like my friend's got more money, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Can you give me 2,500 or 3,000? Like in negotiating now, and it's more of an entitlement versus, no, the cars, if you don't, you can you ride the bus. The bus is great. You know, buses are awesome. But if you want your own car, you got to pay for it yourself. And at the last second, stepping in to help versus up front helping. Does that kind of make sense? That difference? 
Um, for example, my dad for with college. So my whole life I saved for college. I saved all my money for college and I was planning to go to universities because they were you know cheaper. I, I got actually a full ride scholarship to go to Utah State University. I was going to be a, uh, one of their ambassadors up there, which is a pretty big call, uh, scholarship, full ride, full books, full tuition, full board. It's like a really cool scholarship I got um, for being, uh, it was one of the student body, you know, uh, scholarships they give. So I was going to go there and it's a relatively cheap university anyways, and it's in-state tuition. And I got an offer to go to BYU as well. And I was, I was planning to pay for everything. I'd save money. I'd worked a little bit. And at the last second, my dad stepped in and said, Hey, you know, that scholarship, if you go to BYU or you, you know, you, Utah state, I'll match your scholarship. I'll match some of that scholarship with you. Now you still got to pay the extra for other things and stuff. You got to pay all that, but I'll, I'll at least give you the option to match the scholarship. If you wanted to go to a different school. You'll get a scholarship from dad for like your first year to go to school. And it was something like both those universities, by the way, are like dirt cheap compared to other universities. I think BYU is like 3000 bucks a semester. Like it's so cheap and it's a top 20 university in the world, which is insane. Kudos to BYU. It's an amazing university. Um, it's supplemented by donors and, and the church and everything. It's really, really cool. Like UCLA is like 60,000 a year. BYU is like 7,000 a year, but you get the same level of education. It's just insane. Um, so I, and I was like, so grateful. So, oh my gosh. So my, I think my dad gave me a check for like, it's like 11 grand for that first year and a half or something. And I was like, I was just so grateful because I was planning on paying it and I was, I had the money ready to go. But the last second he stepped in and helped out a little bit. And I still had to pay more because there was like books and I wanted to have, you know, other stuff. But, um, I think it, it made a relationship of gratitude rather than expectation. Whenever expectations aren't met, there's that's where resentment is built. And that's where you know entitlement is built. Where there was supposed to be an expectation was mom or dad was supposed to do something for me and they didn't. And now I'm entitled to those privileges and they're not reaching those. That's where entitlement comes from. If there's no expectation at the beginning, which is zero, anything you do above that expectation is generally accepted as gratitude from whoever is giving. Hey, hey, this is Bridger here. Hope you're enjoying the show. I've actually got some cool free gifts that I wanna give you guys as followers of the show. Now, as you may know, we've helped over 60,000 people get started in the fund game in the world of investment funds, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital funds. And so what we've done is actually we've put together a free course on funds. It's 100% free and just in full transparency, what you do is you just go on there, you go to fundlaunch.com, you put in your email. Selfishly, I want your email just so I can send more things to you, more podcast episodes, my other stuff. And what you get in return is our full course. I think it's 15 videos on investment funds, how funds are built, how they're put together, how to structure them, how to scale them. Even if you don't wanna build a fund one day, I think it's still really important to learn how funds are built and how they're put together. So that's a full free course you can get at fundlaunch.com. Is this kind of making sense? Sorry, I'm, I'm dumping a lot. Hopefully this is kind of useful and, and helpful at all. Um, <clears throat> something, kind of, I'll tell you, um, uh, uh, kind of a different lens of this as well. So I've talked to a lot of families that are wealthy. Um, money oftentimes ruins people. Hopefully it sometimes makes people even better. I think money just shines a light on people. It makes you... Uh, if you're charitable, it'll make you more charitable. If you're rotten and broke and broke internally, I mean, not broke money wise. If you're broke internally, if you're mean, if you're angry, it just makes you more mean and more angry with just a louder voice. It just amplifies who you are. And so, um, there are a lot of broken homes and rich families. Um, and I think a lot of parents try to overcompensate for kids when they have a divorce, when the kids are of teenage years, they then overcompensate with money. 
or even if the family's still together, but mom or dad are gone on vacations, always not attentive, not there for their family, they will overcompensate with money, which I think it, it makes, I get why people do it. And I think it's what can ruin your kids. I've had multiple friends that the parents weren't really there or they broke up and they overcompensate with money. And what happens is it ends up actually hurting the kids. It makes them actually more entitled. It actually makes their relationship actually worse than it would have be if the parent actually dug in and said, you know, I'm going to help you. Let's start a, let's start a business or start a, let's get a job or whatever the thing is to make it work. Um, for example, as well, I think, I mean, your biggest flex, I've said this multiple times, your biggest flex as a person on earth for me, you can have jets and cars and whatever it is. If you are 50 years married, you have a handful of kids and a handful of grandkids that are together, fantastic people that actually serve and do well in the world. There is, in my opinion, nothing that really beats that. It, it because it is, you can't buy that. You can't buy a great family. It takes 50 years to build. And by the way, you can't build it alone. As much as we like to work alone and just get our own stuff done, you have to build that with another partner and a spouse. And I am thoroughly impressed by people that can build families that are not even the first generation are amazing people, even down to the second generation, like your grandkids are phenomenal. My wife's family is this way. I've said this before on this podcast. They're incredible. Their whole family tree is just fantastic. It is just every single person is like, wow, you're amazing and you're amazing. And you're, you're so giving and nice. And just, they're just incredible people. They have a very, very, I think only like the like divorce rate is like, is a super low, like percentage wise. It's just amazing. They give and they're just, they're just amazing people. And it's built over decades. And I think it's not built because you automate your family because you overcompensate with money. It's built because you serve and bless your family. One thing my dad has done uh, continually growing up, I actually saw this, your kids will not do what you do what you say, they'll do what you do multiple times, I have distinct memories as a kid. We did a lot of service projects as a family, whether it was our church or community had, you know, and not money. I know it's cool to like write a check, which you can do with your kids. And I think make sure they're involved. It's not mom and dad's money. It's our money or it's their money that goes in. But I think uh, service, your time is such a big charitable thing as well. My dad, multiple times, we went up to nearby here. They, they had this Boy Scouts project. We had to dig out a trail. We're going to do some trail, whatever it was. And we went up on a Saturday for six hours. We're digging, we're moving roots of trees. We had, and there's like 30 of us out there and we're working. And what happens when you work together, for whatever reason, it builds a certain bond between father and son or mother and daughter. Uh, my parents could have automated our yard work. You know, someone to come do the hedges and the lawn and the whatever. We didn't have that big of a yard, but us boys, we did the yard every Saturday. We were cleaning toilets every Saturday. We did it together. Family was there, mom, dad, we were all cleaning the house. We like, we spent like two hours every Saturday morning. It was like nine to 11. Okay. Someone's edging the lawn. Someone's doing the toilet. Someone's on the carpet. Someone's on the kitchen. And we had assignments and we did it together. And it was annoying. We didn't like to do it. What it did is it built this methodology of service. And my parents were right there with us and they would serve and clean. And it built a bond between us. That was amazing. And I don't care how rich you are. I think that's invaluable. Um, that's something me and my wife talked about. Like our kids are doing chores. Like even right now we have, we actually have someone that comes and cleans our house for us and stuff. And it's like, once our kids get old enough, like they're cleaning, like I, and we'll be there with them. <laughs> we'll see. And again, we'll, I want to watch this episode in like 20 years and see how it actually all turned out. But it's like doing the lawn, 
doing the weeding out in the garden. Like there's, there's stuff, there's conversations you have when you're weeding together that you will not have in other situations. I don't care how rich or poor you are. There's just, that is just an intangible thing. And you only have a few years to parent your kids. I know it feels like a long time, but crucial parenting years are only a handful of years for each kid. And what happens when you have a connection like that? You turn your kids into people who do service, who do charity, who think about others more than themselves. My wife's family did an incredible job of this. Um, my, my, wife, my in-laws always, my wife and her siblings were always told like at a school dance, like prom or this homecoming or sweethearts, or whatever the dance was, they would, they would go to a bunch of dances, but also it was always like, okay, hey, there's a kid down the street that hasn't been asked to a dance in three years. Like you need to go ask that, that, that girl. And they would always like handpick their kids. Like you're going to go help this kid out and do this. And they'd be like behind the scenes stuff to like get kids to dances and, and put their kids an opportunity to serve and not just serve with like writing a check, but serve with time, serve with relationships, like going, taking a kid to prom. That's never been to prom. It's their senior year and they've died to grow. Like take that kid to prom. How cool is of experience that is, right? How does that, that build such a relationship and bond? And then finally, I'll wrap this whole thing up. Um, I, uh, whether you're religious or not, they've done tons of studies on families who pray together. They actually did a full case study on families that were previously religious and they, and just prayer, it didn't matter what type of prayer it was just prayer families who prayed together were previously religious. And then families who were actually atheist that signed up for this thing. They said, you guys need to pray once a day as a family for, I can't remember, it was like 30 or 60 days. They saw increased levels of happiness beyond a the statistical analysis, like they, uh, the families that prayed together were increasingly happier, served each other better, had less fighting. The mom and dad had better relationships together across the board, whether they were atheist or not. I believe when you build God into a belief in God, into your family, and as simple as a family prayer each morning or each night, where you have to gather together, kneel down, and I don't care what religion you are, but you pray to a higher power or being. And these atheists, I can't remember what they prayed to. They prayed to something or they did something along the lines of prayer. Even if they didn't even believe in God, it still benefited their family drastically. And my family, I grew up in a religious household. We talk about God and, and it absolutely changed my life. And it still does. And it really impacted me. And um, something that we do with our family now. And so I think um, people that I've interviewed across this chair that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. The ones that have killed it and crushed it with their families and are amazing families. And there's others that have these terrible families. One of the bif- biggest differentials in their life is, is God in their life and their family. If it is, the chances, at least that I've seen across, sitting across the chair right here from people that I talk to wildly successful people in this studio. Did they have God in their life? Were they able to teach about that with their kids and have family prayers or group meetings like that? Did they meet with their kids one-on-one? and talk about religious or God or like real conversation, like deep conversation. Something my dad always did, like once a month, he'd meet with all of us boys. We'd have like a one-on-one with our dad, sit down, talk and share and like really be there for them. So there's some bullet points. I'm sure you guys have a plethora of stuff. Drop in the comments down below if you guys want to and share more stuff. We'll probably do a follow-up episode in a couple of years on this, but I thought it was pretty interesting just seeing some pretty stereotypical rotten kids. And hopefully we, as we get stupidly rich, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to get stupidly rich over your life. And so while we do that, we cannot lose our families along the way. We cannot lose our kids or grandkids. If we do, it's all for naught. Why are we even doing this game? If we have a rotten, terrible life and family and we're just unhappy, but we have millions of dollars, who freaking cares? Let's build families that last forever. It's 
just awesome. Anyways, you guys are amazing. See you in the next episode. Peace.